All right. Good morning, everybody. Good to see so many of you here. I can see that several of you have already uh, said hello in the comment section. I appreciate that. Keep the comments coming because it's quite encouraging to know some people are listening. I appreciate that. I'm going to ask you to open your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And uh, several of you have already logged on. And we might have a few latecomers. That's perfectly fine. But I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about stability. Stability. And we're going to begin in 1 Timothy 6, but we're going to, I'm going to take you to several verses of Scripture before we're done this morning. And uh, let me just say thank you for making time for this on a Saturday morning. This is, this is a real blessing, very encouraging to uh, be able to <clears throat> quote-unquote gather with you guys. And I thoroughly enjoy our men's meetings. Uh, the, the last one we had was Brother Dobbins. It was, that was such a blessing to fellowship like that. And I wish we could be having another gathering under similar circumstances where we could see each other face to face. But uh, you're going to have to make do with this. I, I, I wonder what you think of my Bart. Here is my lockdown Bart. <clears throat> we'll, we'll see by the end of the lockdown just how, uh, just how, how good this Bart gets. Armand, if you're listening, right, you inspired my Bart. So well done, you. First Timothy six, and we're going to begin in verse seventeen. We're going to talk about stability. We're going to focus in on uh, some some finances and stability as it pertains to the to the financial situation we find ourselves in, but, but we are going to go a little deeper than just finances. But uh, as we mentioned in the announcement for this engagement, that that is going to be one of our topics, one point of focus. So if you would, let's, uh, let's pray together and then we'll get started. Father, thank you for this privilege. Thank you for these men that have uh, gathered around to hear the Word of God. They need to hear from you and not me. Please, Father, fill me with your spirit and uh, allow us to hear from, from heaven this morning. God, we need stability. Father, we find that in you. Now, I pray that you'd take that stability, put it in us, establish us, Lord. Help us today, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, First Timothy 6 and verse 17 <clears throat> And I'm sure you've heard this recently. I heard it on the news this morning. Uh, the world, the whole world is changing. H have you heard people saying that? The whole world is changing. And they say it will never be the same. Uh, yeah, I, I can kind of agree with that. I, I think, let's say it this way, that's a fair prediction based on what we're going through. There have been many events down through history that have changed the course of history. And uh, this, this is most likely one of those major events. The whole world is changing, and they say nothing will ever be the same. So in such a chaotic time, it is of the utmost importance that we have stability, that we are established. Look at 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. Paul says, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded. It's another way of saying proud, thinking too highly of themselves. And here's the phrase I really want you to see, these middle two phrases. Nor trust in uncertain riches. Do you see that? Uncertain riches. The riches that the world has to offer are uncertain. Proverbs 23 verse 5 says that the riches of this world, they can, they can grow wings like an eagle and fly away. Amen. Now we've all had some paychecks do that. We've all had some personal crises that have wiped out a bank account maybe. We've experienced this type of thing you know, on a personal basis maybe. But now we're, we're facing it nationally and even in some ways globally. Riches, your bank account, it's uncertain. 
And Paul says, Pastor, be sure to charge your church members. Be sure that they know this. Don't trust in uncertain riches. That is not going to be stable ground. Let's keep reading. Nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. The way the word communicate is used in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, it's in a manner of giving and receiving. We often think of it with words, conversation, communication. That's one person speaks, the other person takes it in, and it's a back and forth. But it's also true of money. One person has need, you give. And then maybe the next day you have need and somebody else will give to you. So that's communication, willing to communicate. Notice the command, verse 18, ready and willing. Ready and willing. Verse 19, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation. There's stability. Against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. I just want you to see here, riches are uncertain. Gentlemen, there's a lot of question marks as to what the future holds when it comes to new laws being put in place, when it comes to our health, and when it comes to the economy. There is no verse of Scripture that I can offer you this morning that is going to promise you health and wealth. I know this, God's grace is sufficient regardless of the circumstance. I know that, and I'd like to show you this morning some, some of the promises that you can cling to, those exceeding great and precious promises of God. But the, the stability that we're looking for, right? We can't find it in the money, but we can find stability in this challenging time. Let me show you a couple verses. Get 1 Chronicles chapter 16. 1 Chronicles chapter 16. 1 Chronicles chapter 16. And forgive me, I'm trying to move lightly with my Bible. For those of you that haven't been in my office, I'm, I've, I have a little small little tripod with my phone on it. And it is sitting on this beautiful desk that somebody made for me. So if I hit the desk in any way, it shakes the, the, the camera. I'm sorry for that. Forgive me. I'm getting used to all this. First Chronicles 16. And look with me at verse number 30. This is David writing. This is one in various Psalms in the book we know as the book of Psalms. But let me just show you one verse here. 1 Corinthians 16, 30. Fear before him all the earth. The world also shall be stable, that it be not moved. This is the only time in the King James Bible the word stable appears. It's the only time. You can mark it down. Only time. Now, David, he is prophetically writing here about the kingdom age. When Jesus comes back to the earth, the whole, the whole world will be under His rule and there will finally be worldwide stability. You can, you can just see in the verses around it. Yeah? Verse 31, Let the heavens be glad, let the earth rejoice, let men say among the nations, The Lord reigneth. So do you see this is the kingdom age? It's a prophetic verse. The world also shall be stable. It's not now, but one day it will be. This verse is, I want to say quoted, but as I mentioned, this is David writing a psalm. So when it is collected into what we know as the book of Psalms, it is found in Psalm 96 verse 10. And instead of translating that word stable, it is there written as established. So you understand we're talking about the same thing when we say stability, stable, established. That's the, uh, well, we're all dealing with the same thing when we talk about that. 
Look at Isaiah chapter 33. Isaiah chapter 33. In order to find stability it, in a, on a global scale, we need the Lord to show up. We need the Lord to show up. When the Antichrist shows up and his kingdom starts uh, gaining traction, right? they will offer the world a very temporary stability. But as, as we know from, from what's written in the book of Revelation, many places in the prophets, it's going to be a false stability. It won't last very long. Isaiah chapter 33, verse number 6. I've shown you the one place in the Bible you find the word stable. And now I'm going to show you the one time in the Bible, in the King James Bible, you find the word stability. It only appears one time in the Bible. In Isaiah 33, verse 6, it says here, And wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times and strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. If your faith is in the uncertain riches, if that's what you're trusting in, no stability. Stock market goes up and down, even on a good day, even without coronavirus floating around. But when the fear of the Lord is your treasure, there's some stability. Now again, this chapter, this passage is dealing with the kingdom age. You can see it. it it's quite clear. Verse 5, The Lord is exalted, for he dwelleth on high. He hath filled Zion with judgment and righteousness. Zion is another way of referring to Jerusalem. It's one of the mountains there in the Jerusalem area. And today Zion is not filled with judgment and righteousness. It's actually the opposite. This is prophetic. When the Lord comes back, that place will be filled with judgment and righteousness. And how will Jesus stabilize everything? Wisdom and knowledge. He will interject light into a dark situation. He will offer order where the world has only known chaos for the better part of, I would say, six years, if you take the tribulation time into account. Now, guys, today, in this time. Stability is in short supply, but it's in high demand, right? Short supply, but it's in high demand. We're looking everywhere for it. We're looking for someone to offer a structure and order. Governments are unstable. The stock market is unstable. Your business, I'm talking to several men I know in our church personally, that stand to lose a great deal because of all the upheaval that is being caused. And, and please understand, I'm not pointing fingers at the government with this lesson this morning to say, ah, it's their fault and they're you know, making all these mistakes. Guys, you're welcome to your opinions as to if the government is taking the necessary steps. Too far, not enough. I, that's a completely different subject. What I'm dealing with is what is actually going on. And what's actually going on is there's been a great instability created by the current situation. So let's deal with what, we, with what we have at hand. With all this instability, God forbid your home is unstable. You know, when we say unstable, instability, a lot of times what we're talking about is you're fearing what might come next, right? When, when you say instability, it, it's almost synonymous with fear. That's what happens when chaos is introduced into a situation nobody knows what to expect. It's part of the reason I've tried to stay very consistent with communicating with you guys through these live streams, trying to offer some stability in a chaotic situation. Gentlemen, the reason I've organized this men's meeting and wanted to talk to you particularly is because as the leaders of your home, I want to urge you, I charge you to offer stability for your home, for your family. You need to first stabilize yourself, right? Because if you're unbalanced, if, if you've got a lot of fear creeping into your heart, you first need to get that fixed and then help stabilize your home. Chaos cries out 
for order. Let me show you a verse. Come to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 133. Psalm 119, verse 133. Chaos cries out for order. You know what Paul said in the New Testament? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 30. Speaking to a church. And he's specifically talking about how they manage their church services. But this piece of wisdom applies in your home, at church, government, anywhere, anywhere. Paul said, let all things be done decently and in order. Order. We don't want chaos. We don't want confusion. God is not the author of confusion. We need stability. We need order. Psalm 119, verse 133. David says, Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Now you can see that this verse is a very broad verse. Yes, very broad verse. It would cover a multitude of things. Order my steps in thy word. That will include the way you manage your business the way you manage your money, the way, the way you approach it, your attitude towards it. God, show me how to think and feel about my financial situation. Jesus said that His words, His sayings are like a rock and we are to build our life on that rock and it offers a solid foundation so that when the wind blows and the rain comes and the floods attack our home, it doesn't fall because it's built on something stable. It's built on, it offers stability when you build your life on the Word of God. As it pertains to finances, if you're trusting in that, it's uncertain. It's uncertain. You never know. Up or down. Will it come? Will it go? You don't know. Paul said, trust not in uncertain riches, but in the living God. Take your Bible. Come to Psalm 112. A couple pages back. Psalm 112. I'm going to take you quickly through the entire psalm, the whole chapter. Psalm 112. Psalm 112, verse 1, Praise ye the Lord. That's good advice by itself, right? Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. You can see the tone that David is setting here. He's, he's, he's immediately putting our focus on the Word of God, on what God said. The man that fears God is going to be concerned with what God said about every aspect of his life. Verse 2. Now watch, there's, there's going to be a prophetic aspect come into it here. His seed shall be mighty upon earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. He, he points the spotlight at one particular generation now. Now, prophetically speaking, when you read this, we're, we're looking again at the kingdom age. People that fear God and delight in God's words, are they mighty upon the earth now? Well, no. Now, if you want to look at this historically, the Jews as a nation had a promise from God that if they were obedient as a nation, that God would bless their nation, prosper their nation, protect their nation. That was a promise given to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. They disobeyed, and the promise was if you disobey, you get punished and kicked out of the land. God did exactly that. So if you want to look at this historically, you can understand it that way. However, I believe what we're reading here, you can see there's some future tense to it. We're reading about a man who does right, ends up in this kingdom age, ruling, reigning with Christ, and his needs are taken care of. But let's keep reading. We're going to learn something here, I believe. Verse 3, Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. You see the eternal aspect of this. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. This is not a promise. 
that if I do the commandments, God is going to fill my bank account. I, I, I do not want you to take this verse out of its context. We do not have this promise in the New Testament that if we obey God, He is going to fulfill our every desire financially. There are people that teach and say that. That's just not true. The promise we have if we live godly is that we'd suffer persecution because the servant is not above his master. The disciple is not above his Lord. But prophetically, I understand how this will happen in the kingdom. I also understand how it applies in the Old Testament with the Jews. But watch verse 4. Watch the practical lesson that we can learn. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. So the man who has established his life on the Word of God, when he enters into a dark time, when, when chaos enters in, that man has light. That man will continually find light from God to help give order to that chaos. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness, now, now watch the rest of this. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. The upright man, he can expect to, to continually receive wisdom from God as needed. Why would I say this? James 1.5 My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Let patience have her perfect work. And if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. An upright man knows where to go for answers in chaotic times. He says, God, I have a very tricky situation. Show me what to do. And as you need the wisdom... God will give the light. Even if it's on a daily basis, you have to pray and seek for it. God will provide the wisdom you need for the situation you're in. While he's providing that situational light, the upright man knows how to act. He's going to remain gracious. He's going to remain full of compassion and righteous. He's going to do right. He understands that Chaos around him does not give him an excuse. It doesn't give him a vacation from an upright life. This now, the upright man looks at this as an opportunity to say, who can I help? How can I, how can I be a blessing to someone else in this? Verse 5, A good man showeth favor and lendeth. I've been so blessed this week. To know that, and I'm sure there's a lot going on that I don't know about. But from what I do know about, there have been some, some people in our church that have gone out of their way. And when I say out of their way, they have gone way out of their way. They have made a tremendous effort. It has provoked me to love and to good works, and I praise God for it. There have been, if I understand correctly, well over a hundred people have received. I want to call it food deliveries or food packets, but people desperately needing food that could not have gotten it otherwise. People have, have, have risked their own safety, and the church has contributed, other individuals have contributed, put money and food towards it, and people are showing favor and lending. Man, that's been encouraging. Let's learn more from verse 5. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. Even in dark times you can still find a way to help someone else. It says at the end of verse 5, He will guide his affairs with discretion. Please understand you are not obligated to give it all away. Say, but this is a chaotic time and people have needs. Yes, they do. And our marching orders as Christians, we're going to talk about this tomorrow during the church service, we want to set our dials the dial of our heart, to generous. Amen. We want to be generous. And at the same time, smart. You have to use wisdom when you give. He guides his affairs with discretion. You're going to have to be smart about your budget. And at the same time, generous about your giving. You're going to have to find a way to mix the two. You're going to have to pray through it. 
Say, I don't know who to help. There's so many people that need help. I don't have enough to help everybody, so how do I know who to help? Pray. This is when you learn how to pray and wait for that still small voice of God to say that one, not this one. Say, but man, as a Christian, I just feel bad saying no. Jesus gave a parable about ten virgins. Five were wise, five were foolish. Five foolish spent up what they had. The five wise saved. And when the foolish came to the wise and said, give us of your oil, the the wise ones said no. There is a time to say no. That is somebody guiding their affairs with discretion. And gentlemen, I cannot give you one line I cannot give you one verse that's going to fit every situation that you potentially will meet with in the near future. You're going to have to learn to pray and listen to God, and you're going to need to know what God said about your finances. That is going to stabilize you. In verse number 6, it says, Surely he shall not be moved forever. Stability. Now, you can also see the, the prophetic aspect in this. But any prophetic verse you, you read in the Bible, the doctrinal teaching will be prophecy. It'll be something in the future. But that prophetic teaching will also offer a practical lesson. And we're learning something practical. He shall not be moved forever. He's stable. He's stable because he's doing it God's way. Verse 6, the righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. So the, the help that they do offer, those good deeds do not go unseen. God sees them and he will reward them. Verse 7, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. Gentlemen, I, I am not going to fault anyone here because all flesh is grass. The thought has crossed my mind a time or two, what's going to happen with my bank account? Right? I, I don't earn a paycheck here in South Africa, as many of you know. I'm supported by various American churches and individuals. And they're being hit pretty hard. I, I don't know. I don't know if, if their finances are going to be so tight that they may not be able to give anymore. And every now and then, if I'm not careful, fear can creep into my heart and go, man, what am I going to do? I need verse 7. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. You, you get bad news. Evil tidings is bad news. You turn the news on, it seems like it's nothing but bad news, right? But it says in verse 7, his heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. So how can I find stability when that when I, I'm tempted to fear, when I keep getting all this bad news, hey, the businesses might close, you may not be able to keep on all your employees, the economy might crash. That, it just, what are we going to do about this? Well, we turn our eyes upon Jesus and we say, God, fix my heart. This is like, not, not only can you understand this as I'm, I'm broken and I need to be put back together, but fixed as in stabilized, in a fixed position. That's the way it's intended here. His heart is fixed. I'm here, God, and I'm not moving. This man has made a decision, this upright man. God, I don't care what happens with my finances. I'm yours, and I'll serve you one way or the other. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Guys, this is when you need to know the promises of God as they apply to you specifically, right now. In the body of Christ, what can we expect? Philippians 4.19. If you don't know it, you can look it up later. I'll quote it for you now. But you, you, you need to memorize it. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Would you do me a favor and go and check that context later? Go check that context later. Because when he says, my God shall supply all your need, the context of that 
is a church that is giving to missions. Check the context, please. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. No other church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. When I went to Thessalonica at the beginning of the gospel, I desired fruit to your account. This is an acceptable sacrifice, a sweet-smelling savor to God. The Philippian church gave money to missions, and because of that, Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need. So that church was not focused on its own bank account. They were looking at how they could get the gospel out and, and, and help other poor saints. The Philippians took up an offering to give to Paul so that he could pass it on to the poor saints suffering a famine in Jerusalem. And Paul said, you guys that have shown favor and lended, you used discretion, you did it smartly and generously, here's a promise for you. God will provide all your need. He did not promise, please listen to this, he did not promise that he would maintain your current lifestyle. That's a tough, that's a tough pill to swallow, but it's true. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Godliness with contentment is great gain. God never promised that He would help you maintain your current lifestyle. He did say, I'll provide your need. All your need. I think you know the verse, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Your Father knows the things that you have need of. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. The things is food, drink, clothing. Having food and raiment, let us be content. Right, that's Matthew 6, verse 33. The promise is, put God first, fix your heart on the Lord, trust in Him, do it His way. Look at money the way God does, as being uncertain. Say, God... I'll let you provide for me because, to be honest, you're the one who's been providing for me this entire time. And even if it gets tough and my life has to change quite drastically, as long as I still get to serve you, I am sure that you'll take care of me. I'm scared to say that. I, I Honestly, as I say that, a little bit of fear grips my heart and I have to let the Holy Spirit kind of crucify my flesh on that because, man, that would be so uncomfortable. But then there's another part of me that says, wow, what a chance to see God do something. Years ago, as I lived in Malawi, many of you have heard me talk about a man named Francis Peary, one of our pastors there. We had a church that got started in a distant village called Salima. Very, very poor. Now, Malawi has been one of the poorest countries in the world for years now. But this village is poor even by Malawian standards. Francis walked to church. He lived in the capital city where we had our first church established. He walked to church four hours one way every Sunday. And he'd stay all afternoon for Bible school. And then we ended Bible school at about five o'clock. And then he'd walk home four more hours. That man did that for two years. And then he said, Preacher, I think God is calling me to go be the pastor in Salima. We had churches out there, but we were just sending men to preach. We didn't have pastors, um, trained pastors overseeing them. So it was an ideal situation, but Francis wanted to go make it right and be the pastor. And when I, I, I chatted with him, I told him, I said, Brother, I, I'm not going to pay you a, a salary to be the pastor out there. I don't see that as one of the responsibilities or, or even, I don't even think it's a good idea for missionaries to do that. 
it, it doesn't allow the ministry to become self-sustaining, right? Because if the missionary moves or dies, then the ministry would die with it. So I, I said, listen, if you go out there, the biblical way for a church to handle this is that they support their pastor, but they're so poor, brother, you're probably going to have to work, and there's no work out there. Farming is not easy, so I'm not sure how, how you're going to make it. And he moved out to Salima, and it was tough. And there were days that he didn't eat. There were days his family didn't eat. Some days he didn't eat so that his family could eat it. You know what? Some years went by, and eventually God opened the door so that he could find work out in that village area. And, that, and God has sustained him. I have seen the promise of God come to pass. It certainly wasn't the lifestyle that Francis Peary wanted. And I, when I told Francis, you're going to have to trust Matthew 6, 33 and, and wait for God to provide all your need. I, I felt so small saying that to him because I realized I'm asking him to do something that I myself have never had to do. And as I tell this to you guys, I realize that I might be next in line to be tested. God might just look down and say, well, let's see if he can practice what he preaches. And that's why I say this with, with a great amount of awe and respect for anyone who's going through it. I mean not to look down my nose at anyone and say, shame on you for fearing. I, as, a, as another human being, a sinful human being, I understand where some fear would come in. But you've got to fix your heart on God and His promises. Look at verse 9 with me. Uh, verse, did we get verse 8? Verse 8. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. Notice that when this was written, Israel was under attack. At least we can say the upright man was under attack, right? David, David was often attacked uh, by other, other Jews. Saul, for instance. But he knew one day I, God will give me the victory eventually. He knew that. We are also facing, they've called it the unseen enemy, this, this virus. But my heart is fixed. It's established. It's stabilized. And, and there's no place for fear. There's no reason to fear because God hasn't forgotten me and God's promises never fail. You know what they say. They say, the whole world is changing and nothing will ever be the same. That's what they say, right? I disagree. The whole world is changing, fair enough. But when they say nothing will ever be the same, that's not true. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 God said, I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. That fixes my heart. Everything else around me is changing, but one thing is remaining the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank God I'm saved. Oh, praise, praise God I'm saved. It's so good to be in Christ I'm safe in Him. Not just from eternal damnation. I'm safe in that He as a loving Father is aware of my needs and He's going to take care of me. And He's going to take care of you. And He's commanded us to take care of each other. Gentlemen, I want you to reassure your families. I want you to be that stabilizing factor. I want you to shine in your home and say, wife, children, we're going to be all right. I don't know how. I'm not sure what we're going to do. But God has promised He's going to take care of us, and I want you to know that I trust God. That's the stability that they need. Verse 9, look at verse 9. Paul actually quotes verse 9 in 2 Corinthians. He hath dispersed, that means he's... The next part, he hath given to the poor. While the enemies are attacking, 
He's giving to the poor. While the disease is spreading, he's giving. His righteousness endureth forever. The man who can remain generous and wise in times of trouble, God will never forget that. You will not lose your reward. It's laid up in heaven. The Bible says his horn shall be exalted with honor. Again, extending to the future, that time that Jesus says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Verse 10, you can see the prophecy in this. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. Now you have to remember that prophetical picture. The Jews have come into their land and they now are triumphing over their enemies and the enemies are looking at the Jews winning this battle. So that's the prophetic picture here. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. The desire of the wicked. The wicked had a plan. It didn't work out. Now in this case, it was the enemy of David or the enemy of the Jews, that prophetical picture. And the enemy of the Jews wanted to wipe that nation out and they're, they're going to end up wiped away, melting away, and their desire shall perish. The wicked perishes with it. Can, can I wax practical for just a moment and remind you of a cosmic conflict that is taking place even now? Job chapter 1, Satan presents himself before the Lord. And by the way, many times in the Bible, when you read the wicked, right, it is referring to a wicked group of people, but you can also understand it as the wicked one, Satan. So practically speaking, I'm just giving you a spiritual lesson here. As this enemy attacks all around us, we stay stable, fixed, trusting in God no matter what, and Satan, the wicked one, pops up before the Lord and says, hmm, what's going on? The Lord says, where have you been? I've been going up and down to and fro on the earth. He says, uh, the Lord says, have you noticed my servant Job? Satan says, yeah, and I know why he loves you. He loves you because you have put a hedge of protection about him. So, when Job goes out to farm, the farm, everything grows well, and the livestock, they stay healthy and reproduce well, and everything seems to prosper and go well for Job. That's why Job loves you. And the Lord says, that's not it. He doesn't love the things that I give him. He loves the provider, not the provision. The devil says, I don't know. You let me take it all, and we'll see. You know the story. You know the story. In one day, it's all gone. L listen to the answer of a man who had his heart fixed on God. This is the answer of a stable, upright man. Job said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I say that with fear and trembling. I'm not Job. I've never had to face that. There's a chance, gentlemen, one of you, some of you, in the near future, it's all gone. That business you've spent years putting together, gone. The life, let's just call it the life that you've built for yourself, it's gone. It's all changed. If you want to find some, some stability, if you want to prepare yourself for that rainy day that's coming, for that flood that's coming your way, build your house upon a rock. Know what God's promised. And fix your heart on Him and say, God, it's not about the things, it's about you. You can give, you can take away. At the end of the day, I just want to bless your name. You know what's going to happen if that's your response in these difficult times? The wicked shall gnash his teeth. The wicked one, the devil, will see your reaction and he will be grieved, verse 10. And instead of standing boldly before the Lord, accusing God's servant, accusing his children of not loving him for the right reasons, the devil will melt away, will slink, if I can use the word slink, if it's even a word, slink away ashamed, tail tucked between his legs. 
He'll say, well, I, th I thought by taking everything that this person would curse God. Turns out, did Job get a little confused? Yeah. Was there a moment of panic in there? Looked like it. Yep. Yep. It wasn't easy, but Job never cursed God. Job, Job did say, God, I know you're right. I, I, I don't know what I've done, done wrong. I wish you'd explain it to me. But God, even though I don't understand, I, I know you're right. You know what happened? In due time, God did show up and give Job light. It just took a little time because his heart was fixed on the Lord. You know, Job got it all back. Double. You say, man, preacher, that's a good place to end. Let's end the lesson there. Let's pray and be dismissed because that's what we want to hear. We're going to, no matter what happens, we might lose it, but we'll get it back double. <laughs> God never promised that if you lose your current status of life, that He would restore it to you double. Not, not in this life. He didn't promise that. But is that why you're serving the Lord? Is so that you can use Him as a financial net? Because if you are, gentlemen, the light that is in you has become darkness. And how great is that darkness? That's exactly what Matthew 6 refers to in verses 20, 21, 22. I want to finish in that chapter. Would you turn with me to Matthew 6? And I just want to show you one verse as we close. Matthew 6 and verse 34. And I want to ask you this question as you find that, that verse. Matthew 6 and 34. Matthew 6 and 34. If you lose it all, And God doesn't give it back. Are you okay with that? Will you still follow Christ? Can you be content with the bare essentials, which is what He promises? He promised to provide your need, that is food and raiment. He promised that. Can you be content for that? Jesus, when He taught the disciples to pray, He said... Give us this day our daily bread. Gentlemen, I've never had to pray for my daily bread. But if it gets that bad, and let's hope it doesn't, there isn't, it may not, we may not ever get to that point. Things may bounce back a whole lot better. I hope I'm not painting too pessimistic of a picture this morning. I just want to make sure all of us, however rich or poor you are, that you have your heart fixed on the Lord, that you are offering stability to your family at this time. Here's the advice I'd like to part with. Matthew 6.34 Say, preacher, what do we do about this in an economic way. How do we handle the economics of this trying time? Verse 34, Take therefore no thought for the morrow. Now, this doesn't mean don't plan. That, that's not it at all. This phrase, take no thought, in other places it's translated different. You can, it can be, don't be anxious. Don't worry. Don't worry. Did you know that you don't get paid for worrying? I keep reminding myself of that. I'm horrible about forgetting that. But no one's ever handed me a paycheck for all the worrying that I did. At any of the jobs I've had, they gave me a paycheck for the work I did. But when I punched out, you know, clocked out, went home and worried about it, they didn't pay me extra. You don't get paid to worry. Worrying is not going to fix it. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Here's the advice I'd like to part on. We don't know what tomorrow has to offer. We don't know how this is going to pan out. We can make some decent guesses based on how things look and what the experts say. But we just don't know. 
So until we have something, I want to say solid, something definite to make a decision based off of, we just patiently wait and pray and say, God, I don't know how, don't know when, but I believe you're going to take care of me. And no matter what happens, Lord, my heart is fixed on you. My heart belongs to you. I want to love you and serve you regardless of my circumstance. Help me to trust you. Help me, Lord. Establish me. Establish me. The verse just popped to mind. It's worth quoting in 1 Peter 5, that you may be established, strengthened, settled. Established, strengthened, settled. I wish I had a verse. I wish I had a piece of advice that would just take care of all the worries. This is as close as I can come to giving you advice and a verse to say this is how you handle it, one day at a time. One day at a time. Deal with what's going on today. And today is a good chance to offer yourself, to offer your family some stability. It starts with you and I as men, as the heads of our homes, getting our hearts fixed on the Lord. Gentlemen, thank you for your time this morning. I hope this has been a help. We're going to have another church service, just like we've been doing, tomorrow morning. Sunday morning, 11 o'clock. And then we have Bible school, 6 p.m. in the evening, open for anyone, any of you watching. You're welcome to join us. We'd love to have you. I'm going to bow my head. If you would, you can bow your head with me. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And we have no idea what the future holds. Lord, all we know is that you're not going to change. Everything else is changing, but you're not. Your promises fail not. They're all yea and amen in Christ. Lord, we want to love you no matter what happens. And I say that, God. Oh, you know my heart trembles when I say that because, Lord, I really, I really don't want, I really don't want to have to prove that. But God, if it comes to that, if any of the men in our, in our church, if it comes to that, God, help us to handle it like an upright, godly man and have our heart fixed on You. Help us, God, to remain generous, to look for the people in need and reach out and do what we can with the resources You've blessed us with. Help us to be ready and willing to distribute, to communicate, to give, and to give smartly. Father, please help us to take what you've given us this morning in your word. Hide it in our hearts. Order our steps in your word so that we can have that stability. Thank you, Father, for this time. Please help us as men to lead our homes, to make good decisions, and to love you supremely. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining. Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow again at 11 o'clock.